Well, good morning. Good to be with you all this morning. And our scripture this morning comes from Acts chapter 2. You're welcome to turn there with me if you've got something, if you've got a Bible with you. And um, if not, just follow along with the words on the screen as we hear the word of the Lord this day. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit within her, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we thank you so much for this time together, and we thank you for your word. God, we pray that your spirit would move among us, that our hearts and our minds would be open in a way that we are not expecting, but in which you will use to speak a word to our hearts that we need to hear. And when we hear that word, even if it's uncomfortable, God, we pray that we would hold on to it that it would not easily leave us so that we would know that we need to do something with it. 
And now, gracious Lord, I pray that you would take these simple words of mine, that you would turn them from water into wine, because, God, we trust that you will take even the simplest thing and do a miracle with it. So do that even now in our midst this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question for us this morning, the challenge that is being laid before us through this scripture can be tied up in these questions. The difference between what we think and what we know. The difference between what we think and what we know. I don't know about you, but there's an awful lot of times that I would really just like to go to somebody and have them tell me what I should do in a certain circumstance. I would like to be able to ask a question, pose it a certain way, and just be given the answer so that I know exactly what to do and I can trust that the outcome would be for my benefit. Anybody else? Sound like, sound good? <laughs> yes, okay. Well, in this story, we are finding um, that there are men who have enslaved this woman and, and she is one who is being used to tell people answers to their questions. This was not unique to Philippi, where it's just where they were, but this was happening all over Greece, especially. And so if you just imagine the coastline of Greece, right? We can all imagine it. <laughs> kind of goes like this. Kind of goes like this. Um, so Philippi is up here, and then Delphi, I want you to picture Delphi. It's down here towards the southern part of Greece. Now in Delphi, there's historical records of a woman who was called the Oracle, and, and she even had a name, um, Pythia. She was the Pythoness. Uh, this sounds too much like a, a snake. I'm out. <laughs> but, but so this woman was at this temple, and you could travel there to Delphi. You could travel there, and you could pay to see the Oracle, present your question, and then have this woman give you an answer. Now, she was breathing in subterranean hallucinogenic fumes, and then she would utter these phrases, these answers that apparently came from Apollo. This is historical stuff. So there you go. So it was at the same time that this was happening because people saw, oh, look at them making money. These guys up here in Philippi were like, hey, let's cash in on that. Let's cash in on that. So, so that is where Paul and Silas and, and their crew are. God had called them to Philippi on their travels, on their journey, and they were indeed speaking the word of God, telling people about God and how they might be saved. But as they were there, this woman, this knockoff <laughs> of the woman from, from the, the temple in Delphi, she was prophesying, and she was, she was talking about them, and she was following them around. It says here, for several days. Well, Paul didn't need her to tell him anything. He wasn't going to her. But she just wouldn't stop. She wouldn't stop. And so finally it says, our text says that Paul was annoyed. Now it doesn't say that he was annoyed with the woman. 
So maybe it, he was annoyed that she just wouldn't stop following around and talking, maybe. Maybe he was annoyed by the situation, by the circumstance. Maybe he was annoyed that people kept going to her and paying money to these men, thinking they would get an answer when Paul knew that that was not what they needed to know. What they needed to know was the truth of Jesus Christ. Maybe he was annoyed just with the situation. This woman was enslaved and being used to make money. Whatever the, the, the annoyance, maybe it was all of those things. But Paul turned finally one day and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, leave her now. And a spirit left her. But it was the spirit, it was the evil spirit that was being used to make these predictions, these claims. So she was no longer of value. She had no worth to her owners. And so in, in retaliation, they bring Paul and Silas to the magistrate. And they tell them, hey, these guys are a bunch of Jews and they are telling people things that are not lawful for us as Roman citizens to take part in. Philippi was a Roman colony, a Roman city, and there were a lot of, of military and ex-military people that lived there. So there were laws. You followed them. You don't, you don't get out of line. You do what you know you are supposed to do. You don't take any risk or chance there. So they go, they're going, hey, we're going to use the laws and, and, and put it against these guys. Because we know what the law says, so get rid of these guys. And the magistrates, hearing that, hearing that, they had them thrown into jail, beaten, and they were told to keep them high security. Don't let anything happen that they would be able to get out or, or escape somehow. So not only did the jailer put them in the center jail cell, so there were, were no other access other than coming all the way in through the middle, but also chained their feet. Because the jailer... <clears throat> He didn't just think he should keep an eye on them. He knew that it would mean his life if anything happened and they escaped. So here they are now. Paul and Silas in this jail cell, in the center of the prison, chained by their ankles. And what are they doing? What are they doing? They're praying. They're singing hymns, the very thing that any of us should do in any time of, of trial or hardship. Of course, we should be singing, praying. And it says about midnight, about midnight, there was an earthquake. And it was enough of an earthquake that the foundation shifted, causing the doors to all fly open on the jail cells. Now, when the jailer awakes and sees those doors open, he thinks, surely they will have all escaped. Which means he knows then that his life is over. He's drawing his sword about to kill himself because he knows that if they have escaped, it's the end of his life anyway. When Paul yells out, do not harm yourself, we are all still here. 
Well, that was a rather important testimony. That was a rather important witness for Paul to say, no, stop. The truth is we're all here. Do not take your life because you think we've all gone. You need to know because of my testimony and witness that your life is preserved. And then the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas tell this one, this one who was a Roman citizen who had followed all the laws, there is something about you too. There's something else at play here. I need to know how I can be saved. I need to know because apparently it's not what I thought. And so Paul and Silas share the gospel with the jailer. They tell him that at that moment, he and his entire household would, could be saved. And so they are baptized. Remember, this was at about midnight that this happened. So here we are, like, what, one, two o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine being woken up and all of a sudden you're sharing the gospel and people are being baptized? and Just incredible. And the story continues, and, and there's more that happens along in their story there. It's just an incredible story, but, but just sticking with what we have so far. People would go to this, to this fortune teller with a question because they wanted someone to tell them the truth, to tell them what to do, to answer their questions. Paul and Silas were there speaking in the name of God, a jailer who thought he knew was then faced with the truth because of their testimony. I can't help but draw upon the events of this week, of how easy it is for us to, to give information because we think we have the information, to later find out that we didn't really know. We didn't really know. You know, it's an incredible thing, like our, our news outlets and social media. It's an incredible thing to think that how quickly we're able to receive information and, and news. And, and I mean, it's how wonderful is it whenever we're able to see things like, like pictures for, of, of a wedding or graduation, right, or, or, or a new baby, it's incredible to be able to see that and to be able to celebrate with those that we love and, and, and acknowledge accomplishments. What a joy that is. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to see things happening all over the world. And, and here it is being brought into our lives, not just into our living rooms like it used to be all the time on our TVs, but even in our own hands on a phone it's incredible what we have access to. How neat is it on New Year's Eve, right? To be able to see fireworks going off in every city across the world before it gets to us and even beyond across this, the country. But we're also faced with horrible things. We know and learn of atrocities that happen all over the world, of, of, of death and, and lives lost across the globe, across our country, even within our own city. 
And it is hard to see those things. But to be faced with the reality helps us to have a better understanding of this world, helps us to remember that this world is not perfect, helps us to remember that this is a broken world, that there is chaos, that there is evil, that there is a very real devil who wants us to doubt, who wants us to trust in things that aren't true, who wants us to to be so consumed with anger, with confusion, that we won't be able to see the truth, that we won't be able to go beyond what we think to be able to see the reality, the truth of what we can know. And so so we found ourselves this week thinking we knew so early on that Tuesday morning what had taken place in that elementary school in Texas but I heard it again and again, be patient. We don't know all the details yet. We can tell you what we think, but we can't tell you the truth yet. We can't tell you all we know because we're still gaining details. Because what happens just as that jailer opened his eyes, seeing that doors were open, assuming people had all escaped, being prepared to take his own life, If it weren't for a witness and a testimony and knowing what actually happened, he would have been dead. And it would have been the loss of not only his life, but his entire household. And so we need to remember that when tragedy strikes, that's not not all the answers wrapped up in that single moment. And it's hard to sit with the pain And it's hard to sit with the confusion. And it's hard to sit with the unknown. But the truth is that without moments to be able to have the conversations, without opportunities to sit with those who are grieving, without opportunities to go through the details, we're not going to know. (laughs) And that happens not just in instances like that, but far too often, even in our own lives, we make assumptions because we think we know, we think we understand, and yet there's so many more details that we haven't even gotten to because we haven't asked the questions, because we haven't taken the time, because we haven't, we just haven't wanted to be bothered. Sometimes, sometimes. In John chapter nine, there's a story of a man who was born blind, and and he comes across Jesus, and Jesus gives him his sight. For the first time, this man sees. But the people there, they, they don't trust that this was a good thing. They don't trust that it could actually have happened the way this man said it happened. They brought this man, and they, they questioned him. How did this happen? Were you really blind? We don't really believe that you were blind. They called his parents. Was this man blind? Was he blind from birth? Yes, he was blind from birth. We don't know what else to tell you. We were there. We've, we've been with him his entire life. They bring the man back. He says, listen. I don't know what to tell you other than this. I was blind, and now I see. And that witness, that testimony, is what should drive us, should drive us 
with a desire to know God, to know God's word, to be in the scriptures daily, to be able to not just think we understand, but to know, to know, to know God, to know that our lives are in line with the Lord. Because when we ask the questions, when we're not sure what we should do or where we should go, there, there is no benefit in seeking out some fortune teller, paying them to tell you something. We need to trust that we, when we are patient, when we seek truth, when we follow God, when we dive into his word, that is where our truth will be found. That is what we can trust. And why can we trust it? Because our God is good. We can trust it because we know that our God sent Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, that all that all who believe in him would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. That is something we know. And because we know that truth, we know that whatever comes, there is hope. We know that whatever we go through, there is truth. We know that whatever we come up against, there is joy. And so I, I just, I just want to challenge us to think about, are there places in our lives, are there things that we do that we believe that we're, that we're going with that, that we think we know? When was the last time you really took stock of your life and said, how does that line up? How do these things that I know and I believe to be true line up with the truth of who God is? I would venture to say that in my life and in your lives, there are probably some things that we think that don't quite line up with what we know. But the only way we're going to know is if we seek God, if we ask him to reveal those things to us. You might be surprised. <laughs> There might be something that you thought, good or bad, that when you line it up with who God is, might just cause you to change your mind on something. And it might be hard, it might be uncomfortable, but that's okay. Because God doesn't need perfect right now. God needs you to be faithful God needs you to continue to speak of God's truth, of who God is, how God can set us free from this life consumed by darkness. So let's seek that light. Let's strive with hope. Let's search for the joy. And let's be patient in the process.